Hello and welcome to Two Girls in a Pod. I'm Sharon. I'm Christy. Welcome to everybody. We have a special guest on again today. So we've been really excited and fortunate to meet a lot of different people in a lot of different places. And we actually met this guest in Estes Park for the Bigfoot Festival. So we would like to welcome Ken Collins. Welcome. Well, thank you. The ladies offered for me to come on and I like the offer taken. So here I am tonight and uh, we um, are ready for a good setup here. Let's see what we got going on here. All right, so, yeah. That sounds good. Oh, thank you for being on. And um, just real quickly, we do want to make sure that it's okay that we do uh, record this podcast and publish it. We have your consent to do that, correct? Correct, you do, yes. All right, great. Well, you know, one of the things is, is we met you at the... Bigfoot Days. Bigfoot Days uh, (laughs) in Nassus Park. The name of your donut shop was... Squatchy Donuts. Squatchy Donuts. And you were there working really, really hard... (laughs) So you were just kind of helping out, though, right? No, that's my event. I uh, started it 2019 is when actually the city sponsored it. I started it all doing it myself in the town of Estes Park. I did about four events before he finally came to me and says, wow, you got something going on. And if you quit crashing our other events and your outfit, we'll give you a Bigfoot days because... I was pretty persistent on going to a lot of the festivities that are in Estes Park during the summer. We yeah. have from Elk Fest to Wine Fest to Butterfly Fest to any fest you can think of. Now we even have the frozen dead man days from a town that was below us that we brought it to Estes. But I used to crash all these events in my outfit and they'd always say, oh, it's that crazy guy, Bigfoot guy. And uh, finally... It worked, and the mayor came and says, we're going to give you Bigfoot Days. And so this year, the event was uh, a little bit smaller than it's normally been. But uh, last year, I, I'd say we had 5,000 easy. This year, maybe three to 4,000. But The weather was a little... <laughs> yeah, it, right. <laughs> An event has grown. But yeah, I started that, Bigfoot Days. But mm-hmm. the town took it over in 219. I'm still do the uh, Bigfoot days there, and I still do the uh, Christmas parade. I'm the Bigfoot guy on the float. I have a float each year. Um, when I first walked up and down that town about 17 years ago, there wasn't a Bigfoot nothing around. And I said, well, I'm changing that, and I'm tired of this attitude that there's no Bigfoots on this side of the Rocky Mountains. And it's like, I came from the Pikes Peak area. <laughs> so right. I brought my uniqueness over to Estes Park. And when you ladies met me at the Bigfoot Days, you met the founder. You met the person who started a festival that took, like I said, a lot of years to get. and took a lot of years walking around that town in that outfit you see me in. And I put a lot of miles on that town streets, walking up and down and greeting people and promoting Bigfoot Days and just sharing the other side of the Bigfoot because I don't have to be so serious and, and like I used to be as I was younger. Now I'm older and I have Bigfoot days and I do other events and what I've seen out here, which we'll talk more about tonight. I'm not sure what we're set up to do tonight, but Bigfoot days is a big special event for me. Awesome. So let me ask you this. Why was that important for you? Why was it important to have well, Bigfoot days? 
because of all that time I did walking up and down the streets and going out and getting uh, my first Bigfoot report was 2013. It hit the S Park News. Finally, they started noticing, well, hey, we've got some Bigfoot activity here. That's incredible. Not this fake stuff when you run around in an outfit. I'm getting my first sighting was a, a little juvenile with a uh, picture and a good report. And what was important for me is like when I walked up and down this town, there was nothing there. And it's important to see that, wow, everybody's on board now. We have a Bigfoot billboard down at the end of the canyon as we drive up Big Thompson going into S's. There's a place called the Dam Store. They put up a big billboard with Bigfoot on it and Bigfoot uh, statues. And then you go into uh, just more, the town has just jumped on more to recognize the Bigfoot. Now, what's important about all this, though, isn't all that commercial and all the events and all that. What's important is going to come along with the researcher who's been out there for 30 years tell you how I get my stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Normally what I do in podcast guys is I start talking and I take over for two or three hours and I go. Yeah. I've learned to try to be more quiet and structured and listen to you guys give me some stuff because I go on. I've been out there over three decades and I can go from what do you want? You want to so- go from an alien? You want to go to a dog man? You want to go to a, a five and a half print? You want to go to a 21 inch print I just got? I mean, I can just go. Well, well, I guess, so one of the things is, is I want to know, or I think we want to know is, how did you ever get into this? What kind okay. of? A small, I'm a small town boy out of Nebraska, born in uh, Lincoln, but moved to a small town called Seward. And my neighbors had a uh, birthday party. And I said, hey, let's go see a flick. And we're 11 years old. I'm like, I don't even know what a flick is. It was a movie. Let's go see, that's part of the Christmas party. I'm like, whatever. So we go in town, and there's two movies playing, The Legend of Boggy Creek and Planet of the Apes. And I just did a conference with Lyle Blackburn, who writes about The Legend of Boggy Creek, just did a couple days ago here. That's why I'm in my Nebraska home. Mm -hmm. But uh, what got me is that movie, because there was four of us, and three of them went to go see Planet of the Apes. And I don't know why I'm 11 years old. I go over to see uh, The Legend of Boggy Creek by myself. So after the movie, it's out, something just hit me inside, something seated me. It's like, why did I see this movie? What's that's that stuff? Is that, that the monster man? Is that the boogeyman? Well, as we got out of the theater, my brother and the other two guys are all walking around like the Planet of the Apes, monkeys and stuff. And I'm thinking, we're not that. I just thought to myself, they're running around like monkeys because of Planet of the Apes. But I just saw something that I don't think is upon his apes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, someday I'm going to find out. So as I walked around in shock, and they walked around town being a bunch of hoodlums that they were acting at that age, I walked around seriously thought in my head that someday I am going to find out. It takes me all my life, and I'm 61 now. I was 11 then. I want to find out some answers to these things. Right. More questions pop up than answers. Mm-hmm. To this day, you think you got it. Anybody tells you they got it, tell them to listen to them. They don't have it. Mm-hmm. I don't know book to this or rhyme or reason or how to do this stuff, but I can say that that movie seated me. Okay. I, got, I got me going. And then, because, you know, fast forward, you know, you talked a little bit with us about the kind of the journey that you've been on with this. That 
young age, you your journey is just to be a young kid, mm-hmm. and you're not thinking that this will affect your life. Mm-hmm. And you just don't. People just don't know how it can affect your life. And to leave Nebraska after the movie and come to Colorado, it's like okay, my grandparents raised me. Grandpa's sick and needs to go to drier climate, so we leave Nebraska. We go. My journey's now to the uh, Colorado. I'm thinking at a young age, I'm not thinking of Bigfoot that much up there in the mountains. I'm just thinking, wow, we're going to a, a different area. It's not corn. So we get in Nebraska, go into high school, uh, junior high and all that, and play a lot of football. So football all the way through junior high or junior grade school, junior high up to high school. And then after you get into your 20s, you got more time to start seeking that age. I want to kind of go back and, and start doing some research and doing my big, what they would, I call, we call them back then wood Z's. Wood, wood Z's. Wood Z's. Mm-hmm. W-O-O-D-S-Y, wood Z's. And we go out and do things like we have beer. And I'd always be out looking for things. And, and I was I was never a guy to go online and look for stuff. Back then you didn't have that. You mm-hmm. did it out there. And you, your wilderness was your book. Right. So you went out and you read the wilderness's chapters, and you took those chapters and put them in your head. And chapters like are meaning of finding structures, finding footprints, finding everything out there, but a class A sighting, which means looking at one. Mm-hmm. You can get all the other stuff. That's fine. You can go and take pictures and circle a thousand black spots and call it a Bigfoot if you want. You can call it the Peldalia or whatever you want to call it, guys. Mm-hmm. But to actually to see one looking at you and he's in your face, that's what I wanted and that's what I got numerous of times now. But to get there, to get to the journey, to get to where you're going to get one, whoa, that's a long time thing. You have to work yourself inside. You think that they want to waste their time on people that's going to go out there, hunt them, kill them. They don't want to waste their time on that. They want somebody that's going to come out with heart and compassion and love for them. So my journey started really hard in my 20s. Okay. I was middle 20s up in the Pikes Peak area, Colorado Springs, where you guys are from. Mm-hmm. I did the Rampart Range Road all the way up through Cripple Creek. In them days, we had three tunnels in Gold Camp Road. Mm-hmm. Rampart Range was a good place to start. I did the uh, Emerald Valley area. I don't know if you know where that's at. You can never go over into the NORAD area. You can't go that way with it. But I did some stuff in the uh, old down in Fort Carson, down where uh, Pinion Canyon. Mm-hmm. I've been up through Teller County, um, El Paso County, and uh, Larimer County. So we're in. And uh, so El Paso County was very good. And Bigfoot sightings, heck, they were all over the place. You go up into Teller County, and I thought to myself, well, let's move into the divide. Now, my journey's starting to starting to, to mature. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to learn more and, and be more patient, not be so stupid in how I did things, and claim that everything was a Bigfoot. I, to, I mean, it takes a lot of years to get that stinking thinking out of you. And what I mean by that is just there's ways of doing this. You're going to learn over the years. 
that out there you're going to learn a lot of stuff and it's just too many coincidences that happens anywhere you go at the same might be different states but everything's the same i did kentucky a lot and colorado a little bit in nebraska and i see a lot of things in all three states that kind of are intertwined that are the same but to learn the most was in colorado the education that I, like I said, I had to learn was going out there and doing it, not getting in this computer and looking at things. But maturity takes a long time. So, so do you feel like hunting for Bigfoot kind of forced you to mature a little bit in order to continue on that journey? Well, see, I always never hunt, said hunted. I always went out and the forest people to go out with love. And so I'm not hunting you today. I just want to see you. If you have time, could you come out? I never went out and said, hey, guys, I know what you're saying, though. But I didn't go out like, hey, guys, I demand to see you. And I put a start in there, you know, like, you got to see you today. It was like, hey, I'm here today. Get a sighting, brought you guys something. Go on my day if I didn't get anything a thousand times. Maybe the thousand one time I would get it. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. So I just would go out with the intent of no malice, of love. I even had David Plotties one time from Missing 411 come with me, and he said, said to me during the thing, I have a gun, and I thought, I asked you not to carry a gun. He said to me, you don't worry about the Bigfoot. He said, you worry about the other animals. Mm-hmm. And I went, okay, Dave, I can understand that. But I always would tell people, I don't want to go out with you guys with knives and and yelling at these things. And if we see something, be respectful. Don't be yelling at me. Oh, I see one over there and all that. Just let's just curb it. I know it's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's going to get more if we can interact with them and not be disrespectful to them. Right. Yeah. So that makes sense. Because you talked with us a little bit about your your ethnic background being Native American, some Native American in there. Well, I'll tell you, a lot of people say, why do Bigfoots come into people's lives at the time they do? And I think, what do you mean? They go, well, I'm older now. Why is he coming now? <laughs> well, he had something for you. And in my sense, my Bigfoot goes back with my family. My grandmother was a real small wood, and she was a Native American Cherokee. And in my bloodline in that small wood family, I have a distant cousin named Norma Smallwood, who was uh, Miss America, uh, 1926. She was the first full-blooded Native American Cherokee to win that prestigious title. So then I go into my Smallwood family, and what's kind of fun about Norma, when she won that crown that year, in 1926, she earned more money than Babe Ruth playing baseball. I just think that was just a cool fact. Wow. But, <laughs> pardon? That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah kind, of, kind of a neat fact. But, you know, I don't heritage that we have in our lives, guys. We have our bloodline for a reason. Our bloodline's important. I go deeper into my bloodline where uh, I have a, an honorable Joseph Smallwood. He was a premier of Newfoundland. And he kind of started this legacy of these Smallwoods. We have a William Smallwood. He died with General Armstrong Custer at Little Bighorn. Some of my other offsprings, we had another person that married one of our Smallwoods, but he was Colonel William Barrett Travis, and Travis died at the um, the Alamo, fighting to defend the Alamo. And then in the heritage of the Smallwood side, my family's connected to the Hatfields and McCoys, Abraham Lincoln, and Davy Crockett. 
Now, I know that my great-great-grandfather, James Smallwood, was friends with Davy Crockett. And Davy Crockett, guys, had a Bigfoot sighting um, in Texas. And it was six months before he died at the Alamo. But what the Bigfoot did was Davy was, I think, sitting on a log. He's, like, banging his axe on it. And he, I think he gets out a piece of cornbread or something he's chewing it you know he's banging on the axe like the old boys were doing back then and all of a sudden this bigfoot appears and it materialized he says like it came out of the fog you know whatever it just get paralyzed and said you will have basically you're gonna don't you're gonna die at the alamo basically it's telling him trying to warn him that something dreadful's hap- gonna happen and he might he's davy says that the thing mind speak to him i'm like whoa so I like to think that maybe my grandfather was, was kind of part of all that. Maybe they hunted these things. And maybe in me, they don't want that for me. I didn't want to hunt. I'm the opposite. My forefathers fought in, in wars and, and led with famous people. Uh, William, the first William, was in the, uh, he was, uh, he, he fought with uh, George Washington. And it's like this bloodline that goes so deep. And I think, you know, maybe they were at one time, my offsprings hunted a Bigfoot with David Crockett. I just like to think that because we were friends with them, that Davy, my family was. But it also shows in Tennessee records that it's likely that our great-great-grandfather and David Crockett were acquaintances. Records show in 1819, 1820 that they turned in wolf and they were burned and the bounty was paid. So it's like they hunt around, they hunted. You know they hunted because it says in the records there that they turned in wolves and cows. So I think that, that my bloodline there is deep in that sense. And I just take that type of heritage and, and go and think, man, what a bloodline you've got, bro. And it goes more than that. It can go, I can go into deeper stuff. But as I bring up that, first part of my heritage i'm trying to show people you come from your bloodline you come from your heritage you don't give up your past your past is what makes you and my past is very historic i have a lot of frontiersmen in there and no wonder i would do what i do in the bigfoot realm well and i you know because so you've kind of talked about your the males in your family bloodline what about the females I don't. The female, what I said was Norma, my cousin Norma Smallwood, the uh, Miss America. That's and then you go from there. You just go into the archives, and it's uh, we it can go to where my family had was Sherman's march to the sea. Sherman came through my family's land in Alabama with my one of my grandmothers or whatever was farming. They came through and abducted the family member. And as my, my grandma lady watched, she couldn't do nothing. And they took, you know, they, they were renegades. Um, I don't care. And they pillaged, they pillaged the land and pillaged her, her crop and her, her animals. And my family went back after all that. She went back and went to the war department and sued them and got everything back. And that shows the spirit of the women in my family, too. So you're not going to come in. I don't care if you are fighting this war. But you're not come through and pillage our land. She went back to the War Department and fought them. That's all in records. 
It shows everything she had stolen and everything she requested to be reimbursed. And, and the War Department did reimburse her. And that was like she shows you the spirit of the family pioneerism of the women. They nice. didn't give up. Yeah. Nice. Well, you, you know, I think some of that's really, I think I always tell people we're, we're all a product of our past and things like that. And now, do you married, have kids? Yeah. You know, I talk about 11 years old starting this, and I didn't get married until I was 35. And my wife didn't know what I did for the first 10 years of our marriage, and I just couldn't tell her. She's a nurse. I met her because I took care of nuns. I was a certified nurse aide. So I had to work on a lot with uh, taking care of people and working on my soul and working on my spirit and working on my tenderism. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. Mm-hmm. You have to work on all that. As a man taking care of, well, as a man taking care of dying people and nuns and uh, learning that spiritualism is a big part of this. You have to work on your inside. The spiritual part of you is what they want. So uh, marrying my wife, a good Christian lady, I've never heard her say a cuss word in 27 years, not saying that's birthday. God's gift to everything, but I'm proud to say I have a good lady there as far as wouldn't accept Bigfoot. She's like, you're nuts, and why do you do what you do? And what do you do out there? So in 2013, when I got that first, my first Class A sighting of a little juvenile Sasquatch 70 yards away, they hit the newspaper. And that newspaper was all over the nurse's station at the hospital. My wife goes into work, and all the nurses are going, that's what your husband does. And she walks over and says, that's what she said. So that's what he does. And it was like, she started then accepting a little bit of what I was doing. And But she's still to this day, it's to her, it's just something she'll stay away from. But yeah, that the um, first years of marriage, I couldn't tell her anything. Because I, I didn't even know what I was doing. I'm not going to figure it out. Why am I going to tell her? So, so did you yeah. feel like you had to hide it because she wouldn't understand it or I just didn't did want you, to tell her or did you it not understand? Time. It just wasn't time. Okay. It just wasn't time. Yeah. Nah. It wasn't time to do it. I'm in a place for it and this wasn't you know, I, I guys I would get up and would sacrifice birthdays and, and holidays and Christmases and important things, leave work and and just let this suck you up. Mm-hmm. And I let it exhort my family, my kids. My, one of my boys are like, you just didn't spend a lot of time with me. I'm like, yeah, because I was out looking for the Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And I'm a kind of advocate to talk about the researchers that it affects their lives and our we're not TV guys. We're not scripted. We're just plain old boots on the ground, mud on my shoes, big foot print in my hand, and a mouth running like I'm doing. I'm just saying, not saying that makes a researcher, but the sacrifices you take out there to get what we get, it, to me, was hard. It's, it was a hard trip. And now and I'm older, I'm trying to mend things and I can't. It's just gone. I know that um, it's full. You know, you just go on and want more and more and more. And when you want to give up sometimes, all of a sudden something happens, you just go again. And you deflate and then you inflate. And sometimes people, like I have a good friend from the Colorado Researching Organization, and I don't mention their names, but 
he doesn't go out and do it all bar. And he was one of my prodigies. He's one of my mentors, one of my guys. I was like, wow. And like I said, it took up, like I just telling you guys, everything in his life. And he had an experience and he backed away and went away. It's the only lie. When I came back and worked, we can talk about that second time I had an experience where I almost quit. I would just say, you know, I had enough of this until somebody came out and brought me back in a sense where I could help them. It wasn't more or less for me. It was more or less to help them. But, you know, one of the things is, as you said, it's kind of a spiritual journey. And what does that mean? It means that all these years of doing this, of telling them I love them, not going out with a malice content, with going out trying to, that first Bigfoot experience I had was looking at that juvenile. And he's saying to me, could you just go away and come back another day? But he's not talking to me. He's just, I'm getting this like, hey, I'm looking at a Bigfoot, but why in the heck do I want to walk away for? Mm. And your spiritual experience he's talking about is, why are, how is this that I accepted years later that they mind spoke me? They sizzled me, they zapped me, they did something to me that made me walk away from that first sighting. But he left me with this. Come back another day, and I did. Hmm. But 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 I'm working on the side of the Bigfoot now. After you get your first sighting, you get your class A, you get this sighting, and now you're on another journey. So now I'm not like, well, they're real because I'm looking at it, and snap the picture, and I have it up on my sites, and big deal. You snap the picture, whoopee. But I tell you what. I got in my truck and drove away thinking, why am I doing that? What journey am I on? I'm on a journey to find them. I love them so much, I went away, guys. Because I know, well, I don't know. Let me come back another day, which I did. Mm-hmm. And not soon after that, the journey took me to my second sighting. In the area that I saw the first one. And guess who's in the second sighting? The first little guy I saw. But he's with a little baby one, and a big red one. Hmm. Now, this red one was the one that when it turned and looked at me with these eyes of, of disgust and content, and it could have jumped on top of me and it didn't do any of that, guys. It didn't growl at me. I didn't go back to the Legend of Boggy Creek days. <laughs> it gets a little... Well, this one looking at me, I uh, thought at that time, this are not monkeys. They're not... We're a hybrid. We're something's there. Something's not. We're not. To be that close to one, to look that one, and as close as you, I was, it's all those stuff that, uh, just at my age, I'm thinking, wow, I've seen a lot of stuff out here, but I know that's not, um, a monkey to me. So, I'm sorry, I get a little lost on that, but the, that sighting, I'd say there's three because I was smart enough to at least pull my camera and take one snapshot. And I have all this on my websites. And I break these three areas down where I saw these. And I was probably at one time no more than three feet from a baby one. And you're going to see this baby one as I come back and I crop the picture in. You're going to see this his ears and it just looks so uh, like a just a small little person. Mm-hmm. But uh, with hair. But the journey, the spiritualism. So, guys, we do a thing in, every year in Bailey, Colorado. It's called a backwards, I mean, Bigfoot Potential Weekend. And 
so I go up and I'm a, a trail guy and I lead some people out on the, we have a two-day event and I'm one of the guys who lead people out. Well, this particular night, I'm a, and what I'm getting at is each, the question was about my spherificalism and I'm working, still working on, wow, you know, I just been so close to one and didn't do anything. I think it went into a portal and I don't know what happened to it. And, and I'm looking, I'm just saying that second sighting I'm talking about now and I thought to myself, wow, these things are, you know, something's going on here. So I go, and shortly, and this is 10 years later now, so I have all these sightings, and 10 years later, I'm still working on the spirit side of these things, 10 years later. Now, mm-hmm. I go to 2020, it's 213, now it's 2020, I go to Bigfoot, the weekend. I go up there, I have two guys in my group, because they don't give me very many, because I'm very like, you better keep up with me. And I don't want any disrespectfulness. I don't want any yelling. And one guy says, man, I don't feel good tonight. I go, well, you know what? You can take pictures. I want you to take a lot of them. Snap anything you want. Take them. If you hear something, talk to me. I don't want no yelling. And I had another Native American with me that wanted to play his drums. And that's the reason he came with me. Is anybody else out there didn't want him in this group? He wanted to play his drums. So says, buddy, you're with me. Because I was you at one time. I was the one that didn't get invited. Uh, my hands up in meetings, trying to share my stuff. Didn't nobody cared. Now I'm the one that looks for you guys. Now you're coming with me. So Bigfoot Adventure Weekend, we go up 2020. We go to do a daytime reconnaissance. So we want to look around in the daytime because we're going to come back at night. As we're up there in the daytime, going into an area that I was sent to. I turn this all around and says, we're not staying in this area. I do not feel good. It's just it's not right. This is not the area I want to be in. This is not here. So I move us down about a mile to another area, and they're all following me. These two. And they're like, where are we going? I go, just follow me. Let's just, just follow me. So they follow me. I go about three-quarters of a mile up a ridge and up into this rock cropping. I go, this is it. And they're like, what do you mean? I go, we're looking around, and I'm like, we're looking, and... My gosh, if we did not find a big smash print in the Colorado needles, it's very hard to get these prints in Colorado. Not in very good in the snow, and I'll tell you later why. But snow prints or mud prints. But a Colorado smash print in the needles is very hard. Mm. So we got a smash print. We're in the area, and I'm thinking, guys, this is it tonight. We're going to be back. But you know what? Let's cast this print. And when we come back tonight, we'll get it. So my movie producer's down Alan, then, who do, does this event, and I'll tell you about these guys a little bit later. I said, Alan, we have a print up there. We need to go cast it. So I go get Alan. We come back up. We cast this print. So we all leave. It's going to get dark in a few hours. So we come back a few hours later, and it's dark. So we go up the ridge, and I marked everything with uh, trail tape, and I always put some uh, powder down to kind of mark the tree. So we find our way back up to where we were. Looking for the print, it's gone. It's like, where's the print at? Well, the one that was sick says, well, it's right there, but it's flipped up. So what they had done or whatever, they didn't like that the casting side was up, so they flipped it back to the nature side. And I'm, they, they're like, it's right there. And I'm like, whoa, 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 something flipped it out, but didn't take it. But flipped it up from the cast side to the nature side. I think that's so cool. So then, right next to that's a big Another smash print, huge one. It's like, damn, that's the bigger one. So I go, guys, we're in for it tonight because here it is. It's going to come tonight. So it gets dark. I have 
Art and another gentleman, a Native American, and we, he goes up on the rocks behind me, and he's playing the, Native, the drums. He's playing a, a solo we always play, so he's getting frustrated. And he's like, what's wrong with me? I don't remember the what I'm doing. And I'm like, whoa, I think you're getting snapped. I go, don't you know about your America, your heritage, about what what that the worst people can do? And he was just wasn't into that part of it. He was just wanted to go out and play his drums and I don't know what he was what he was just just wasn't there with it. And I'm thinking at that time when he's playing the drums that I I walked away and as I'm planning, I have a Gen three military scope, very nice high tech Gen military scope. And as I'm panning around, I looked up and I just get attracted to one area and here it come an orb. And the orb was huge. And I'm looking at it. I put the Gen 3 down because it's not shown in color. I pull my camera up and take a picture. Put it back down, get my Gen 3 back up, and then Art says, Kenny, he didn't say it loud. He says, something's coming up the ridge. We just came up that ridge. Mm-hmm. He's coming up the ridge. Something. And I just focus away from the orb. I go about 20 yards. I'm, I'm on the left. I go over to my right about 20 yards. I get up on a rock, guys. And I'm looking at this little Bigfoot running to the orb. And I am like, my God, I am seeing a little Bigfoot running to the orb. Now, when I lifted my camera and took that picture, I have a picture of a beautiful, solid orb. Art listened to me and said, Kenny, I was taking pictures during the whole time you were talking to the orb. There's a whole bunch I'm leaving out here. Because I was over there talking to the orb, and I was like, I was, he, he says I was like yelling at it, because I was, I was like, my God, can't you see that? It's like, it's weird that some people can see, some people just, and Art says, well, I, I took a lot of photos, and I'm like, cool. On about the 12th frame, his last frame, it shows that orb opening. Oh, wow. Now, I, on this movie called Alien Contact in the Rockies, written by my movie producers, Alan McArgle and Ron Myers, that we put that into this Alien Contact in the Rockies on top of other stuff, but. This does show the picture of the orb in blue and the orb opening. And it looks so beautiful when it's open. All the colors in it. And people are like, oh, it's the flash of the camera. Art did, couldn't get his flash to work that night. Didn't flash, didn't use any flash. Mm-hmm. And he listened to me. And when he got the shot, it was like, you know, Art, it is said that me and you might be the only ones that have this a picture of the orb. So all the orb opening and a big was running through it. And... What's nice about all this is when we get together and we settle down, I got two men up on this rock. I ask, you try to get your answers from them first. They're, they're, they're telling you things. And I'm like, well, uh, how big was the eye shine that, that I saw? And I says, and the Native American said, well, it was about right up near. And he pointed and it was at four feet. And I'm like, that's exactly what I saw. So he did see it. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and I saw another one, and it was much bigger. Wow. So the eye shine, I'm mm-hmm. talking about uh-huh. that night. And I'm thinking, you know, we got to get these men off the mountain. I got sick. I curled back over, and I said to myself, 
I gotta get these guys off the mountain, but this is what we want, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that was enough. It was like, let's just get off here. I'm getting cramps, and uh, and that was enough. So I thought, man, can you seen the or you seen the spirit of the squad? But you're not done yet. Oh, I'm not done. After that incident. A week later, I go to a hot spot we have in Colorado. And it's a spot I've been going for 10 years to study a family. This is where I get all my mud prints and around a reservoir. This is where I got a five and a half inch, very sweet inline stride of a little juvenile walking. Very beautiful inline mud prints just walking around a reservoir. So I like to go up to this area. I'm trying to finish the year now. Got my orb sighting. Got Bigfoot running to it. Next week I go to another area, getting ready to wind down the summer a little bit. I'm in an area for three weeks. And the first week, as a Bigfoot researcher, normally in the area, what we do in that area is we like to troll the Bigfoots into our camps. We go out and make a bunch of noise, do what we got to do, and you just go in the camp, shut down. And they would just come in. They're going to. They're curious. We've been banging around their. Uh, living room all night so hey they're gonna come and bang in our tents now or whatever they want to do so that night i stayed up and i'm thinking why am i staying up i don't want to stay up but i did first night i'm there at the area all of a sudden the 454 and i got pictures of it i have a ufo land in front of me 80 yards out landing in front of me four big lights on it it shoots four three two boom goes to one i take one picture and i got the picture and i got it on a presentation I just presented a couple of days ago. It's a beautiful picture of this UFO. So I thought, whoa, that's the reason I had to stay up all night. Hell, I got this UFO. I go back up the second week. I put up a trail cam on my truck. I'm in my truck, and I'm asleep in my truck. And I hear something messing around the bottom of my truck. And I'm like, what's going on here? Why are they, uh, whatever it is, messing around with my tires and underneath me? I don't disturb them because if you do, it seems like it kills the interaction. Just don't, just let them do what they got to do that I'm there. So nothing really much happened. I get up in the morning, but I didn't know I set my trail cam up on my truck, facing it towards the back of my truck. So I had it up on the window, back window facing outside. It was outside, not inside. I put the trail cam outside. I saw if it's still or not. Just took it outside and it faces towards the tailgate. So I think to myself, why were they? I'm on my window, my wheels and stuff. So I go and look, guys. I don't have any valve stems. I had just bought these beautiful chrome valve stems like a month ago. It took every darn one of them off. Like, you little rascals. I go, let me go check the trail cam. So I go check the trail cam, and I see this alien-looking thing crawling up over my tailgate. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is not the color of us. That's a wicked picture. That's the second week. So I go back the third week, about ready to end my summer. And I go around the reservoir like I always do. And I get these beautiful prints. Well, I get a three-toed, 13-and-a-half-inch print. And I'm like, dude, that's wicked. But what's really weird about this whole story is the same time that I am up there doing this three-week excursion that I'm telling you guys all about, my friend's up there, too. He's up there with Coast to Coast Radio Station. They're doing something something happened to them too and he wouldn't talk about it and he was like you were up there the same time i was kenny and i kept saying to myself you shouldn't be up here 
And I'm thinking, that's just going to make me go. He goes, well, I didn't want to you up there because this is what happened to us. And he told me some stuff. And I'm like, my gosh, if we could put our stories together and tell people, heck, I was up there. You didn't even know I was. You were up there. I didn't even know you were. We're getting the same type of stuff that happened. So I'm six. I'm 58 now, Dan. And I'm thinking to myself, man, oh, man, the orb, the, the UFO, the, the thing crawling on the truck, you know, in that area, I've had hundreds of interactions with this. These, there's a family of, of, there's a lot of Bigfoots in the area. And between me and another friend, he probably has 300 interactions or more. I'm in the 100 range. And I'm talking from in that area that I'm talking about with the UFO and all that stuff that we go to is a very good area as far as for them poking you, um, interacting with you. We've had them whirl our pedals on our bikes, the wheels, you know, we've had them come up and poke our tents. Even one of my friends had his face smashed with one. But at that time, he was smashing him and pulling, pushing his face down. He asked us to back off, and it did. So it's like I studied a little one called me and my friend called Elvis, this Bigfoot. And we've seen this Bigfoot since he was a little guy. Now he's a master. He's a tall monarch. He's a huge one now. And he has spent so many times around our tents with the eye shine. And there's like four or five of these little ones that run around. You know, you were talking about spiritually. So I thought to myself, well, I'm in Nebraska and I'm going to go down. And I got invited to uh, Macy, Nebraska, to the Omaha Reservation. And I'm going to go out now with the elders and go on to the tribals and, and they don't hunt it. They go out and we say prayers and we say a lot of my spiritual ritual stuff. And then we, they come out in the reservation. They're safe there. They don't have to fear because you better be invited on the reservation or you will be seen and you're lucky to get off. So not very many white men do what I was about to do. Well, what I did was a month before I went to the reservation, I'm just, what I'm getting at, guys, now – I'm going on my third journey now, past the the UFO, all that stuff. Now, now I'm I'm kind of uh, doing another thing now, where I'm at the reservation, trying to learn more about how they look at the Bigfoots, how spiritually that they look at them. I look at them very spiritually. They pray to them, and what I did is I took a very good Russian scientist named Igor Bursov out there. I can't mention names, guys, but he was a very reputable guy. He's 60 years of doing this, and I look up to these guys. We brought another person that has about as many years as Igor does. But a situation happened out at the reservation where they were asked not to do some pictures, and they did. And it made me so mad, I cramped down in my stomach again. And they talk about a Bigfoot area named Chatunga. And he's 12 foot tall, and he's huge. He kind of runs the, the area there. And I felt that, and I felt like, wow, all the disrespectfulness from my peers that I love so much, I'm taking you guys off this reservation. Mm-hmm. They're never invited back because of the disrespectfulness. Well, about a month later, I get a phone call from, and I tell, I tell my friend, Art, I go, Art, during that disrespectfulness, and I kicked everybody off, we left, and then I thought, I said to my buddy, Art, I'm going back to the reservation art again. He goes, when? I go, well, I don't know, but I'm going back. And I got the phone call. It was the tribals. 
Barry says, I want you to come out, Ken, for the last of the year, and we're going to take you to a special place. I said, okay. So I'm thinking, man, you know, Barry talks about the spirit of the Sasquatch a lot. We go out and we pray a lot, and they come out. And I said, that night, he took me to a very special area that he doesn't even take his own people to because they won't go there. Mm-hmm. So he gets me out this area, the tribal leader, and he lets me go. He goes, and we'll watch him before I leave on a camera, this eye shine of this, that's the tonga. He's huge. And he's looking at us with his two eyes, his eye shine. And Barry's like, Kenny, come with me. So I just go with him. He goes, Kenny, start walking. Go. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to go to the tonga. I'm going to go touch the spirit of the Sasquatch right now. I'm going out to this massive thing. And he's letting me go to tribal. Go. Everybody was back. It was like, you go, Ken. What he told me later on was he was testing me. He was testing my my will, my spirit. But when I did, guys, I walked. And I walked back in there. And this thing came at me. And it was 12 feet high with this radiant ice line at me. Like, it was, my God, I'm looking at a creature that's so big. My God, how's it got so much energy? And it's got light coming out of its eyes. And I know about ice line. And I could hear Barry back there a little bit going, whoa, Kenny, whoa, he's never done that. Like I hear, I hear Barry a little bit saying, Kenny, you better back down. And I just went, I backed away. And I went back and Barry says, my God, I've never seen nothing like that. He goes, Satanga does not come to people. And I says, you know what Satanga told me? He told me, thank you for getting those idiots off of my land. That disrespectfulness. Barry, I always wonder, why did he come to you? I didn't know why he came to me. He was telling me from that month before when they were doing that disrespectfulness that he saw my heart and figured me out and says, I'm giving you something that a lot of people that come to this reservation aren't going to get this type of experience. You got it. And I had a tribal elder come to me the next morning and set me down and tell me, boy, you've seen stuff that a white man ain't going to see. He looked at me and goes, You've got what, what we live with for hundreds of years that we don't hunt these things. They're, they're, they're our family. He says, you got something that a lot of guys aren't going to get in and you're special on that. He looked at me and he smiled and said, how was it? And I was like, my God, I think I took the spirit of Sasquatch. And finally, when you said to me just earlier, spiritually, I saw something different, man. I was like, wow, I saw a side of the Native Americans talk about and and um if you look at the well you know i think everybody's on this journey and i want to thank you for inviting us and you are for accepting our invitation i should say to come and talk about that because i think it is really a different thing for different people and the experience and you know for anybody i tell people you know if you don't know, if you don't see it, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You just kind of go and everybody's on their own journey. And we want to thank you for sharing part of your journey with us today. We really appreciate it. You know, hopefully, maybe after people listen to this, there'll be more people who become interested in going out and looking for Bigfoot or at least uh, entertaining the idea that Bigfoot exists. And going on their own spiritual journey, hopefully. Yeah, Yeah, so... Thank you so much for joining us. And for everybody out there, thank you so much for joining us. And we hope that you have a really good week. And we will be back with you next week. Thank Thank you. you.